0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Impossible Podcast. Today, I am interviewing Michaela Peterson, who is a carnivore diet advocate and has used that diet to heal a bunch of things that have come up from an autoimmune perspective for her. You guys might be familiar with Michaela because I interviewed her dad, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, in episode number 10. And I also interviewed Dr. Sean Baker, who's kind of the guy who started this whole carnivore diet craze. And it's been really interesting to me to kind of talk to people, and see from an experimentation standpoint what's working for them. So this isn't necessarily everyone needs to go do this, but it was really interesting to hear from an autoimmune perspective and Michaela's experience how switching to an all-carnivore diet was super helpful. And it's crazy when you hear what she was dealing with and what she was able to fix and heal just by changing the types of food she was eating. It's a great interview. It's going to be really good. I'm excited to get into it. But first, speaking of healing your bodies, if you guys aren't taking care of yourself through mobility work. You're doing yourself a disservice. You're not going to be able to perform at your best. You're going to be hurt, and you're not going to be able to recover as fast. And so we built Moveable app to help you do all of that. app.com, Check it out. It's a free app that gives you 10-minute mobility routines so you don't have to pick and choose and guess what you should do next. The biggest problem I always had with mobility work was not knowing what to do next. And so we basically took... A bunch of different routines, base them on your specific goals, and then break them down into 30 to 60 second movements. And in about 10 minutes or less, you can have an entire mobility routine that's going to help you feel stronger, move faster, and move well. So check it out at movewell.com. Also, if you don't have one already, check out impossiblegear.com, pick up your impossible shirt, wear it while doing your next thing on your impossible list, take a photo and send it in. And I'd love to feature you on the site. It's a great reminder to keep pushing your limits and do something impossible every single day. And every single time you wear it pretty hard to just watch TV and eat Cheetos when you're wearing an impossible shirt. So if you're doing that, you need to stop and either burn the shirt or drop and give me 20 burpees right now. Okay check out impossiblegear.com, pick up an Impossible shirt and have it on yourself as a reminder to keep pushing your limits no matter where you are. All right, that's it for the intro. Let's get into my interview with Michaela Peterson. All right, today I've got Michaela Peterson a carnivore diet advocate, and she's got an amazing story to tell you guys. So, Michaela, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I was just telling you right before we got on the call that I originally interviewed Sean Baker in episode 13. I interviewed your dad, Jordan B. Peterson, episode 10, and I came across your story both in your dad's writing about, he's talking about his daughter in his books. And you're like, man, that's got to be tough. And then I started talking to Sean and your name kept coming up even more. And for those people on uh, listening to the podcast that aren't aware of your story and your background, can you just share a little bit, maybe the quick rundown of your background, how you grew up, and then we can get into the experiments that you're trying right now.
1: Okay. So I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was seven. And then when I was just leaving grade five, so that would have been the summer of grade five, I was diagnosed with severe depression and that's familial. So my dad suffered from it and my grandpa and my great grandpa, we don't know anything before that. And then I started experiencing more strange health symptoms when I was 14, I got really tired. And by the time I was like at 21, I was diagnosed with idiopathic hypersomnia which is just like unknown causes for extreme fatigue. That started when I was 14 and I got itchy when I was 14, like especially my lower legs. That was another symptom that cropped up. And then when I was 17, my arthritis took a turn for the worse, and I'd been on immune suppressants for from age 8 to 17. But for whatever reason, the arthritis still got bad enough that I ended up needing a hip and an ankle replacement when I was 17. So that was a traumatizing year. And then I went off to university and my mental health took a turn for the worse. And I gained 30 pounds in the first year and a half, which now I attribute to diet, obviously. But at the time, I didn't really know what was going on. So yeah, that brings me to like 22-ish. And I ended up leaving. I was, at, I was in university in Montreal and I dropped out. I went home because I was really, really mentally unwell. And I went home and I stopped surviving off of like beer and Mr. Noodles and felt better enough that I ended up going back to university. But um, I was still at that point, so that's 22, taking Adderall for idiopathic hypersomnia. Uh, just to stay awake, and I was on forty milligrams, which is a fairly high dose, which wasn't particularly pleasant, but it did keep me awake. I was taking pills to go to sleep because the Adderall was keeping me awake. I was taking immune suppressant, so methotrexate and Enbrel for the arthritis, Ciprolex for depression, Tylenol three for like breakthrough arthritic pain. So then the other symptom that cropped up, and this is the one that like almost broke me when I was twenty. One is I started getting skin like rashes and cystic acne. It was like, I can deal with the arthritis. I can deal with the crippling depression, but like my skin, please don't, don't do this to my skin. So that kind of cropped up like when my mental health took a turn for the worse when I was in university, that's when the problem started. So I was on antibiotics to try and keep that part under control. So by the time I started looking into diet, I was on like a plethora of medication and really ill. So that brings me to like 22.
0: And you're how old now?
1: Twenty six.
0: Seven to 22 is just hit after hit after hit.
1: Yeah, especially after like, you know, 16 on. The arthritis was, it was bad when I was a kid, but then I was put on the immune suppressants and it was fairly manageable and well controlled. And then when I was 16, my hip and ankle just, All the cartilage went away within a year. So then I was left with just bone on bone when I was seventeen and it was extremely unpleasant. So like sixteen on, maybe fourteen on was pretty rough.
0: You're kind of brushing over the fact that like at seven you got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is seems pretty difficult when people get it, you know, it's a later on in life. How do you deal with something like that at seven years old? How did you you know, how did you manage that? How did your parents manage that? Like, Did you just get on the suppressants and be okay? Or it seems like that's almost like a, a harder start to life than most people would have to even think about. It. And you're kind of just brushing over. it.
1: Well, when you're a kid, because you don't know any different, it's actually easier. Like when I was diagnosed with other health problems later, and I was more aware, it was a lot harder on me emotionally. But as a seven-year-old, it was like, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't really care. When I was first diagnosed, I didn't want anybody to know I had arthritis, but then I didn't realize that arthritis meant like apparently when we went to the doctor, my mom was told this arthritis is particularly severe and she's going to end up with multiple joints replaced at a young age. But you don't understand that as a 7-year-old at all. So I didn't real I thought, you know, like my joints hurt. Oh well. Not this is potentially crippling. It was a lot easier to handle as a kid. I just, you know, if certain activities hurt, I just wouldn't do them. So it was hard on my parents and it was really hard on my mom. She was heartbroken. And like as a mom now, I can't imagine how awful that would be to hear. But I would say it was probably harder on them then than it was on me. As a kid, it's easier to handle that kind of thing.
0: Okay. Then you hit 14, 15, 16.
1: Yeah, so then I mean things obviously got worse with depression, which just makes everything worse. So and then when I was fourteen, I started getting, like I said, this random extreme fatigue and itching. And so things started to get worse then. And then the year I needed the hip and ankle replacement was terrible. That was like a year of oxycontin and other medications and pain and horror. (laughs) And then things got a little bit Better after that. But then I went to university and mentally things went downhill really quickly.
0: And how much of that do you think was just being away at university versus, you know, thinking back on it now and kind of diagnosing now from a diet perspective? Oh,
1: it was purely diet. I moved away and I mean, at home I ate a fairly standard American diet, so high carbs, but I wasn't eating Mr. Noodles every meal, right? It wasn't that bad. And when I went to university, it was like, oh, I can have like cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast and survive off of ginger ale and alcohol and (laughs) pierogies. And I didn't realize, because I I was super skinny when I went off to university, I thought the way you gained weight was you didn't exercise. So I didn't realize diet had anything to do with gaining weight. Like I just didn't know anything about it. I was like, oh, I'm just going to eat whatever I want to eat now. And- I didn't know at the time because it was gradual, right? I got sicker throughout first year and then second year was a complete write-off. But it was gradual enough that I didn't really understand. It wasn't that gradual when I look back at it, but I mean, I never would have attributed to food at the time. It was definitely food though.
0: I've noticed when people, if you're not actually on a diet regimen, you just don't notice the inputs versus the outputs. And then as soon Mm -hmm. as you start to correlate the inputs and outputs, you're like, oh, wonder why I was tired today. It's because I ate that thing, you know, like mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: earlier today, like it becomes very obvious in hindsight, but if you're not looking for it, then, you know, you, you it kind of gets lost in the day-to-day activities.
1: Oh, for sure. And I was so sick too, that already, even just going away to university that I didn't have much variation. Like I, I didn't really have flare ups and things. Things would seem to get worse in the winter time, but it wasn't like one day I would feel Worse, really. It was just I felt really awful all the time, and then that slowly got worse over first year and second year. I think because my body was so overloaded, and it couldn't tolerate so many of the things I was putting in it, that it was really hard to tell.
0: You mentioned you know the different types of medications and pills that you were taking on top of all the other stuff, and it's like we're taking in all this bad stuff, and then we're taking in all, all this medicine to fix stuff. We never actually look at just fixing the
1: the root cause, the, yeah.
0: The root cause. So, with that in mind, you know, you said basically seven to twenty two was just rough, okay, <laughs> and then yeah. twenty two on, you started messing around with stuff and started poking around at how diet might be related to that. So, you want to talk about what you kind of found out there?
1: So, when I started, when my skin started getting affected, and that was like my depression was in a really bad place, and it was starting to affect how I looked. And I couldn't tolerate, I was like, I can't tolerate four different diseases. I can only do three. (laughs) Um, So I need to figure out the skin issue. So I started researching that when I was 20. And then by the time I was 22, I came to the conclusion that I probably had celiac disease and gluten was an issue. So I I found the, the celiac gluten rash. It took me years of Googling horrible skin conditions to come across this rash that I had. I was like, oh my God, that's it. So I cut gluten out like that day. And then that's what started my strange food journey. But I went from gluten, cutting gluten out didn't make much of a difference. There were still too many things I was ingesting to for that to help enough. It helped a little bit. I would say like 10%. And then a couple months later, I went on this Elimination diet, and I didn't know anything about like keto diets or paleo or anything. So I just went down to what I thought was safe randomly. So it was like sweet potatoes, carrots, spinach, rice, chicken, and beef and fish.
0: And you just did that on your own? You didn't have a like a guideline to do it on?
1: No, I just cut everything out, and I ate everything organic because I was like, maybe it's a pesticide issue, and I just wanted to get rid of any of the variables. Mm -hmm. So I, I went down to that and. After the first, oh, and I also, at the same time, when I had cut out gluten, I guess, a couple months earlier, I had stopped taking my immune suppressants to see if I could monitor flare ups because I thought maybe if I had celiac disease, then the arthritis was actually celiac disease because those autoimmune disorders clump sometimes. So I had already stopped taking my immune suppressants by the time I went on an elimination diet to monitor arthritic flare ups, but I'd never assumed it would help with any of my other symptoms. I was just looking at the arthritis at that point and the skin issues. But after the first month of eating, just like those limited foods, everything improved. So my skin healed and my arthritis went away. The depression was still there. And I'll explain that later. But I had huge differences. I also lost three pants sizes. I only lost five pounds at that point but i lost 5 pounds and went down 3 pant sizes and i was like what like i'd always wanted lower abs and could never get abs and it turns out it was because i was bloated constantly but i didn't know that that's what that was so it was a good month anyway i was still taking the Adderall so i didn't have any food cravings cuz Adderall just kills your appetite so mm-hmm. that actually made it easier to cut cut things out but i went down to that that improved things quite a bit eventually i found out that rice was a problem so i cut that out that brings me to a couple of months later and after a couple of really horrible food introductions where i end up getting my whole body gets itchy and my skin breaks out and i get arthritis again in november 2015 my depression lifted and it had never budged before and it went away while i was still taking antidepressants cuz i never even considered that It would go away. And I stopped taking my antidepressants fairly quickly. I weaned myself off of them and felt better than I'd ever felt in my entire life. And then in December, I tried to reintroduce soy. I had the worst depressive experience I've ever experienced after trying to reintroduce soy. And it wasn't just a depression experience, it was like digestive problems. My entire body itched. My arthritis came back. My skin broke out. Like all my symptoms came back. But with a depressive experience i've never I've never experienced anything like that before. It was horrifying. That was around the same time I told dad his dad was watching me do these food things, and he had seen how much I improved and so that was right before the before the soy episode was when I told him he should start the diet because he suffered from the same depression, and I was feeling so good. So he started it, and then I experienced that horrible soy reaction, and it was like, oh. Maybe this is not a good idea. I feel so much worse than I did. But dad's already taken the plunge. So then for the next year, we cycled through these horrible reactions, trying to reintroduce foods and failing miserably.
0: What type of foods do you try to add back in?
1: First, before I told dad about it, I tried to add back in Sour Patch Candy. (laughs) Because... (laughs) I was one of craving- the major food groups. <laughs> I was craving sugar, like okay. really craving sugar, and I looked at the ingredients and I was like, "Oh, it's dye and sugar. There's no gluten or dairy or anything in it, so it should be fine." Obviously, it wasn't fine. I got this whole body itch, but that was about all I noticed, but incredibly itchy, like mosquitoes everywhere itchy, and my skin broke out. And at this point I was still on antidepressants, so I didn't notice anything. Uh, affecting my mood. I got a bit arthritic. So then after I got that reaction I tried to reintroduce cheese and that went horribly wrong and that actually affected my mood even on antidepressants. And then after that I waited till that went away and then my my depression lifted. Then I tried to reintroduce soy. And then the next year we got rid of rice cuz we realized rice was an issue. And I tried oats because easy breakfast meal. And I didn't know that grains were a huge issue. We tried corn, same thing. We tried quinoa, which was really bad. What else did we try? Those were like easy foods, just so we had something easier because we weren't used to cooking all the time and just something like filling something carby. Oh yeah. And then at the like near, this was about a year later, I tried reintroducing sauerkraut because you know I was more into the diet thing and I knew that Sauerkraut had probiotics, tried reintroducing sauerkraut, and I had a terrible reaction from the sauerkraut. And it was just like everything. And it was like once a month I'd introduce a food and then suffer for like three weeks of a horrible autoimmune disorder and depression and itching and miserableness. And then I'd get better and try a new food.
0: It was exhausting. What did you finally stumble upon? And then, you know, you found that like, hey, this this works.
1: So I had a list at that point. I had a list about of about twenty five foods that I could eat safely and feel really good. And it was very varied compared to what I'm doing now. Like there, apples were okay, pears, um, a bunch of green vegetables, sweet potatoes, meat, fish. Like it was still limited, but it wasn't like now. Coconut oil was fine, apple cider vinegar. It was basically a very restricted ketogenic diet. But I found out about that later. So that was fine. And then I got pregnant. And I stopped being able to tolerate everything except for meat. And I didn't realize that for another year. So I went through trying to figure out why what I could eat before wasn't working for me anymore and why I was having autoimmune symptoms and why my depression was back and why I was itchy again. And it took me until December 2017 to finally be like, okay, I know meat is okay. I'm just going to do that because it'd been a year of more autoimmune problems that I hadn't been able to get away from. And I had before and I knew what that felt like. So I needed to get back to that. So eventually out of desperation, I just went down to meat.
0: And is it any type of meat or... I talked to Sean and he said all he eats is like he just a steak. <laughs> like chicken? He's yeah. like no oh, steak. But where are you with that?
1: So originally it was chicken and fish and beef. And then a a month after I started that, chicken started to make me feel funny. And I tested it out five times because I couldn't understand it at all because I ate so much chicken before and was fine. But it made me like dizzy and slow. So I cut out the chicken and I cut out the fish at the same time just because I'd heard Sean Baker talk about how beef was best and I knew beef made me feel fine. I wasn't sure about fish and I just wanted to feel better. So in January, like mid-January, I went to just beef. So now, yeah, I'm just eating beef and salt and water. Occasionally, bourbon and vodka. Interestingly enough, like I can't seem to smoke weed or inhale a lot of anything that Mm -hmm. that'll trigger something. But I can drink... Bourbon and vodka, which are like some of the only liquors that don't have anything added after distillation. Mm -hmm. And I seem to be able to get away with that, which shocks me, but I'm extremely happy about it.
0: (laughs) Are you able to have any – have you messed around with tequila at all?
1: Silver tequila. Okay. But yeah, so that's all good. I mean, I can't believe it. But yeah, so I've been on just beef and salt and water uh, and then occasionally cheating with those alcohols since – January.
0: And what have you seen from that? Yeah.
1: Well, first what happened was I gave birth at the beginning of August last year. And I thought because of my like I was at that point I was eating meat and salad. So I'd cut out everything carbier than like lettuce. I wasn't even having cucumbers at that point. It was like literally just different types of lettuce and olives and meat. And I hadn't dropped the pregnancy weight as fast as I thought I would. I just assumed Because I was so thin before, and because my diet was so limited, that it would fall off and it didn't. And I was like, what is going on? So, the interesting thing that happened when I first went to just meat, and this was when I was eating the three different types of meat, I lost like 10 pounds in the first eight days. It just fell off right away. And now I'm at, I weigh as much as I did when I was in grade 12. So even on the keto diet I was on before the pregnancy, which was making me feel fine, I still weighed five pounds more than I do now. So that's been unexpected. And then other things, well, the arthritis is gone. All my autoimmune symptoms are gone and the depression is gone. So it solved all my problems that I hadn't been able to solve with the keto diet since the pregnancy
0: and that's off of the medications that you were taking before too.
1: Oh yeah, I haven't taken any of the medications for years now. So I'm not yeah. taking anything, yeah.
0: I'm in this space, you know, I've I've done a lot of stuff with paleo, I've done a lot of stuff with keto and like the autoimmune protocol. I don't know if you've done one of those before. And like you see people when they just like cut out grains or dairy and you see like things you know, start to shape up and they'll lose weight immediately or start feeling better, or have more energy. But even to me, you know, like talking to you, talking to Sean, some of this stuff sounds almost a little bit crazy where you're like, oh, what? what's your diet? Beef and mm-hmm. salt and water and vodka. And <laughs> then everything, you know, these things that you've been dealing with for, you know, a quarter century just kind of melt away. Can you just kind of talk about that? Like, wh- what was that like when you, that first happened and like, Were you like, this is magic? Like, I don't think this is actually happening? Like, what was your reaction to those results? Because that seems like a pretty dramatic kind of breakthrough right there.
1: Well, by the time I got to all beef, I was already sold on food being the issues. But when I was first starting to figure it out, like when I reintroduced soy, I had this terrible, like, it was a horrible reaction. And I went from, you know, being like at a nine out of 10 mood wise to maybe a four out of 10 the next morning. And... My first thought was, how could I possibly have been so stupid and naive as to think something like the type of depression I have could be easily solved with diet? And because the reaction lasted so long, it was like I had to keep going back and thinking, okay, I was feeling really good. Then I had a bunch of soy. Then I had this huge stomach ache. Then I got really itchy. And now my skin is breaking out. I'm arthritic and the depression is back. It's just when it's depression, it's hard to convince yourself of anything positive. So I had a harder time believing it back then. And then by the time I got to just beef, I thought, okay, the reason they all meat diet works is because you just coincidentally cut out everything that's bothering you. It's not that you're just eating meat It's just, you get rid of, you know, everything that's bugging you. So I tried some reintroductions. Like I try to reintroduce olives because they have like hardly any sugar, basically no sugar. I got rid of that variable and they were organic and there was no added ingredients. And I thought olive oil, like everybody can eat olive oil. So I'll have that. And I had an immune response to the olive oil. So I got, like I said, the skin breakout, lower back pain, depression, and arthritis for a couple of weeks. And it was fairly unpleasant. And then I haven't tried anything since then because if i can't eat like olives i well at the very beginning i tried a salad because i when when i first transitioned over my digestion got really messed up i got diarrhea like 3 days into the diet and was like okay this can't possibly be healthy and so i i stuck with it for a week and that didn't get better and so i thought okay that and my symptoms didn't improve that quickly so i thought okay forget it i'm not doing this and i had like a salad apple cider vinegar olive oil, like lettuce, right? Nothing there, salt and pepper. And then my digestion fixed itself like that night. And the next morning I woke up and I was more depressed. I was itchy and I was arthritic. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So then I cut out the salad and then my digestion like went back to being messed up for six weeks before it normalized. But I figured I didn't really have much of an alternative. And then once it normalized, I tried to reintroduce olives. And that didn't go well. So since then, I haven't tried anything because I'm feeling really good and I don't have any cravings. So it's just not worth it.
0: So like coconut oil, butter, both out?
1: Yeah, I hadn't. I haven't had butter for a very long time because I had such a terrible reaction to dairy and I didn't even want any contamination. So gotcha. butter's been out for a while uh, and coconut oil, yeah, it, it's out. I, I just don't.
0: Not worth the experiment at this point
1: no.
0: So when all that happens, you said you got your dad sort of testing some stuff out. Like, I think I heard him in another interview say that he's kind of basically on the same protocol right now. Have you seen this happen? Like with the rest of your family, obviously, I don't know if they have had similar reactions. Is it just you and your dad or is this kind of like changing the way
1: <laughs> uh, no. the, the
0: protocol that your guys are eating in the family?
1: Uh, No, my mom, my mom is on it. And she was very easy to convince. She's very open individual and had already been trying to figure out her problems with food. Like she hadn't been eating wheat, I don't know, for like, at least 15 years at that point, she'd figured out something there, but we'd always thought she was just crazy. (laughs) Anyway, so as soon as I went to all meat, All beef, I said, maybe this would help your arthritis because she has arthritis in her knees. And she was like, Okay, and immediately switched over. But dad, it took a number of months to convince. But by that time, he was already like he knew sweet potatoes bugged him and (laughs) they were too carby. And he was only eating meat and salad. And I said, Honestly, you've already dropped everything enjoyable that you're eating, basically. So, like, what's the difference? You can drop the salad. And he doesn't miss the salad. (laughs) <laughs> and his anxiety went away that he couldn't get under control. Like, in like three days. Yeah. It went away super fast for him. So, yeah, they're on it.
0: You mentioned you had a baby like last August. She's coming up on a year then? hmm What are you feeding her? Like, what were you doing with her for the first, you know, basically year she's been around?
1: So, we did exclusively breastfeeding for the first six months. And then I tried to introduce... Sweet potato. This was when before I was completely convinced that the all meat diet was working. Mm-hmm. This was around January. I tried to introduce sweet potato and she wasn't really interested, like, mm. spitting it out and things. I was like, okay, whatever. So then I got more convinced that this meat diet was working really well for me. So then I started feeding her steak, just like beef, little tiny mm-hmm. pieces chopped up. So right now that's what she's eating and she just like hand feeds herself. And in the future, uh, after she's one, I'm planning on introducing sweet potatoes again and carrots and spinach, but things very slowly and one at a time because food made me so ill and I don't know how genetic any of my issues are. I doubt they are. I think that it's more environmental, but it's just risky. So I'm doing things very slowly with her. Right now, she's just breastfeeding and eating meat.
0: It's a pretty basic diet.
1: Yeah, she likes it, though, a lot. Yeah. uh
0: huh. The first thing that anyone that would be looking at this would say is like, don't you just get bored of that? What's your answer? You know, like water, salt, steak. And steak's pretty good. I I like to joke that, you know, like steak and butter is like a complete meal and you can just sit down and it's hard to get bored of that. If you're breaking that down, I don't even know if you're peppering the steak or anything like that. Like
1: No, no pepper, just salt.
0: Do you get bored? And then, uh, yeah, what do you do with that?
1: So it's hard to believe, but no, after uh, like the first four weeks, three weeks, maybe were hard. And if I don't eat fatty enough cuts, I I get bored. So if I'm stuck with something like lean ground beef, it gets boring pretty quickly. But I've found that if I add fat to it, it's much more satiating. It's almost like having a ribeye. Uh, If I just only survived off of ribeye, I wouldn't get bored. Uh, and then after like after a while when the cravings went away, because I still had a bit of craving, even just dropping salad, the cravings are completely gone. So by that, I mean, I literally don't want to eat anything else. So no, I, I don't get bored um, unless I'm eating lean cuts and then it can get boring. But I don't get bored of ribeye ever.
0: Do you ever go to like bison or other game type meat?
1: Yeah, I tried bison and that was fine. So okay. I didn't, I didn't have a bad reaction to bison. So that was nice, but it tasted a lot like beef. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't tried anything other than that. Okay. So that was the most easily available.
0: I was just curious, uh, yeah, in case like you're like, Oh, just, uh, switch it up a little bit. But I, I found that too, that when you're eating more satiating food, you don't have to snack all the time because you're not burning through fuel that quickly. Once you got your dad hooked on this, you've got the baby hooked on this. You got like your family hooked on this, and then you know Sean started soliciting to to some stories. And I know you've been kind of you know out on social media talking about this. What have you seen other people that have been adopting this? Like, what other stories have you seen come in from people who've been kind of just going on an all meat type diet?
1: I haven't seen anybody have a. Oh, that's not true. One person had a hard time with beef, so I've talked to one person who didn't think he could tolerate other than that one guy, everybody has had success. Like, uh, I've been talking to some people and I've, I'll talk to them like once a month. And at the beginning of the first month, they'll say, you know, I haven't talked to anybody as sick as me. I've talked to people who are like, you know, I have 15 pounds to lose and I'm tired all the time and I can't wake up properly and I'm anxious. Right. I'll talk to them and say, you know, try it out, see how it goes. And then I'll talk to them again in a month and they're better. So that's mostly what I've seen. And there's like the surprising thing about just, especially if you just go to beef, it seems is you don't have to test it out for very long to see if it works. It's hard to convince people to go on an all meat diet because it sounds crazy, especially if it's just beef. Mm -hmm. But if you say, especially if you're really suffering, if you say, well, see what happens if you do it for a month, very strictly, and just see how you feel at the end of the month. That's not much of a time commitment for someone who's been sick for decades.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've seen success, traumatic s- success, especially like weight loss. And I know a lot of the people who do the carnivore diet, they'll do all types of meat. They won't be careful about like contamination and they'll also include dairy and eggs. So I've seen people have bad responses that way, but I have a terrible response to dairy and a terrible response to eggs.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I can understand if that's how I had switched my diet over, it wouldn't work. I haven't seen anyone who went just to beef have a bad time.
0: Have you had any like doctors chime? I mean, besides Sean, like, have you ever had like, one one of the things that's been incredibly frustrating to me from a, you know, from the paleo perspective, it's like, when I'm not even fully paleo right now. But like, I've just, I think it's a really good baseline for 80% of people. And, you know, even that, which is not Compared to a carnivore diet, doesn't seem very strict. But you're just like, don't cut out dairy, cut out grains, and you're on your way. And even that to doctors, sometimes doctors be like, well, you can't do that. And I've just started to realize, like, unless you find a doctor who knows what he's doing, like, a lot of doctors pay way more attention on the like diagnosing and and prescribing side than they do on the actual nutrition side. And you know (laughs) whether or not it's healthy, quote unquote healthy you don't have depression. You don't have, you know, all these skin issues. You don't have like, so it's obviously, you know, N equals one. It's obviously working to some degree.
1: Well, my family doctor has been very, so he's given me the side eye, especially when I first started, I I came in when I was very surprised that food had anything to do with it. And I was like, oh my God, I just had a reaction to almonds. Oh my God. I just had a reaction to soy. So he'd be like, so you're saying you're allergic to all these things. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what's happening. Uh, but he was pretty supportive. He did say, yeah, humans don't need grain. They don't really need grain. And he, and then the last time I went to see him, he didn't know I was on all beef. That surprised him when I told him <laughs> eventually. But at that point he said, yeah, well, we know that there are diseases associated with high carb intake. He knew enough, but when I did tell him I was only eating meat, he was definitely concerned. He was like, Oh, I'd feel much better if you incorporated some vegetables at least. I was like, no, no. It's like, okay, well, okay. (laughs) But I've been lucky with my family doctor, but with other doctors, like my rheumatologist, um, who knows I've been in remission. He hasn't actually seen any of the flare ups I've experienced because I only see him once a year. He doesn't believe it. And I told him, it's too hard. Like someone, I guess, who's been studying a disease for like 40 years and then someone comes in and says, hey, all I eat is beef and my horrible disease is gone. I don't even think he can hear it.
0: There's a quote somewhere. It's hard to get a man to believe something of his occupation requires him to not or something like that. I'm screwing that quote up, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. So when you're doing that, are there any things that you have to guard against? Like, do you have to worry about specific deficiencies? Sean was speaking about you don't have to worry about scurvy because you're not taking in all the sugars that you would normally be taking. And a lot of the, you know, it's interesting to think about how how intertwined some of our nutritional guidelines are. Like, if you're basing everything off mm-hmm. a standard American diet, then like, yeah, if you yeah, increase... your
1: vitamins are off.
0: Yeah, if you increase this one thing, then it screws how everything else reacts to it. But have you noticed that you're like... Or or done any blood work where you're like, hey, this looks a little low, maybe I should do something for that or, you know, figure out a way that, you know, doesn't exacerbate the issues or at this point does just, you know, the overall benefit just outweigh whatever a blood test would say?
1: So I got, you know, a general blood test done that tested cholesterol and everything. And I got a phone call. Everything's normal. I haven't gone to pick up the results so I can see it myself. But when I do, I'm going to update my blog about that. I'm also getting my micronutrients done, which tests like cellular levels of vitamins. And I haven't been supplementing since December. So it'll be interesting to see. But even if something showed up, yeah, the benefits outweigh that. And I also believe like I'm not going to suddenly die of scurvy or suddenly have a vitamin deficiency without exhibiting symptoms. So people are worried like, oh, well, what if this is low or what if that's low? But if if they don't have any symptoms, you don't just suddenly die, you get sick. So I'm not concerned about it at all. I was initially concerned about the vitamin C thing and scurvy, but then I looked into that a bit and it does look like it's used in glucose metabolism and you just don't need as much. I don't have any signs of scurvy. So how do you explain that after eight months of just eating meat?
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's super weird.
0: So one of the things that I've actually just been impressed about your story is, you know, the ability to keep testing stuff and keep moving forward. And, you know, you start at seven and (laughs) got a punch in the face with news like, oh, you've got rheumatoid arthritis. Good luck with that. And then, you know, 14, things get worse. 18, 20 get even worse. What sort of mindset do you have to build to kind of push through all of that? Because it seems like, you know, everybody wants to like, do a woe is me on their life. And then sometimes you get, you know, perspectives out of last field that kind of ground you or give you perspective. But I'm curious one on, on the mindset that it took for you to deal with all that growing up and then, you know, later on in your teens, but then also things that you were able to do to be able to cope with it a little bit more and keep pushing forward.
1: I think my driving emotion was anger. So it was like whenever I felt I didn't feel sorry for myself very much. I was also too exhausted to like think properly. So I didn't even have the, I couldn't even get into the state of mind where I was like, Oh, this really sucks. I was just being, but, um, (laughs) I was like when I anger, like, and frustration and I'm not going to let this beat me, or this is not how this ends. I would say that was my main driving force that and like a ton of Adderall (laughs) and I mean that
0: mindset hack
1: oh man yeah (laughs) I'm I'm not like I'm not pro pharmaceuticals anymore and I'm off of all of them and Adderall screwed up my short-term memory and it was not fun to be on but to try and figure something out it really helped so (laughs) it was I'm not letting this beat me no matter what because like fuck you world and A lot of amphetamine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So did you ever have to deal with like resentment at all or like being, especially once you find out about the doctors? Like,
1: Oh, yeah. I've had a hard time with that because at the beginning, yeah, when I first started having these terrible food reactions and I had no, like I couldn't understand why it was happening and I didn't have anybody to talk to and I tried reaching out to a couple of doctors. That obviously didn't work. And then when I finally became convinced that food was causing my problems and all my symptoms went away, I'm still left with a fake hip and a, a replaced hip and a replaced ankle. And the replaced ankle right now needs more surgery because replaced ankles suck. And so that's <laughs> that's not because I have arthritis. It's because I have the replacement. So if I had figured it out this food thing before the replacements, I would be fine. But now I'm left forever with these things I can't fix, and that made me really, really angry a couple of years ago. Uh, angry enough that I, like, I didn't want to go into a hospital. I didn't go see a doctor during my pregnancy. I went to see a midwife instead of an obstetrician. I gave birth at home because I didn't want to be in a hospital. So, yeah, I'm less like now that my anxiety is completely gone. I would say I'm less resentful, but it helps. Like, I have this blog and. I have a bit of a social media presence and I my story is helping people. And so it's worth going through all the pain and suffering if other people can hear that and avoid the pain and suffering. That helps some of the resentment because it's like, oh well, maybe the reason for this and the reason for this stupid ankle replacement is so that other people won't have to go through the same thing. And so that helps a bit, but there was a lot of a lot of anger initially. And disbelief.
0: Yeah, and uh man's search for meaning, I think Viktor Frankl says that you have to find the redemption and the suffering in order to like be able to keep going. And if you can figure that out, then it gets a lot easier to push forward.
1: Yeah, that's a good saying.
0: As far as, you know, what you're doing right now, you wanna kinda share a little bit about that. You know, we talked about it a little bit with people sending in their stories, but is that kind of like the next stage here? Is that your Scarlett, I think is about a year old. You're doing that and then doing the blog. And what's the next goal for you right here?
1: So I'm writing a book that just takes a lot of self-discipline because I have to sit Mm -hmm. down and write it. But that's one of the goals in the future. I have this blog that I've been probably not working on as hard as I should (laughs) be. So yeah, the goal is to try and get my story out to as many people as possible in a believable enough manner that they won't just scroll by it because people mentioned like when I was really sick, people would say, well, have you looked at diet? But it was in kind of a condescending manner mm-hmm. and it was like as if I had was doing something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe if you stop eating candy, you won't be so tired type of thing. And so I'm trying to be able to spread the idea that diet is something to be taken seriously rather than just passed off as quackery, which is what I thought for most of my life.
0: Is the book going to be more of a uh, story? Like your story is it going to be like a, a diet, like how to or a kind of a mix?
1: No, it's mostly my story. I figure if I can explain what I went through and then people can come to their own conclusions about what they want to do.
0: Mm, cool.
1: Yeah, I'm about 18,000 words into that.
0: Hey, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> That's cool. Before we wrap things up, I'm curious, one, if you have people that are transitioning to something or interested in trying something out like this. Do you have any common recommendations that you have you usually give people before they set out on their own?
1: Well, I usually tell people if you're dealing with mental health problems, those seem to be the hardest to get under control and those seem to be triggered the most. It's easiest to trigger that. Like if I eat something wrong, I get a bit of arthritis. Like, I get my wrists get a bit sore, but it's totally manageable. But the depression comes back and that's not manageable. So, if you have mental health issues, that's going to be harder to get under control with diet. Um, I've seen that the sicker you are to begin with, if you transition over and like cut out carbs and sugar and dairy and all that stuff, the transition period can be really rough. So, people get some weird health symptoms for the first month of transitioning. Over So the sicker you are, the harder it is. I would say if you do try, so say you're looking at the carnivore diet, I would get rid of dairy and eggs and just give meat a try. Don't cheat and kind of ignore everything for about a month. And if you're not feeling good after a month, then something's still wrong. It shouldn't take longer than that, but it's worth Given it a try, I mean, I feel way better and I don't miss the only downside of this diet, other than the fact that telling people makes you look crazy,
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> is
1: socially it's hard. It's easier, I think, for people who aren't as sensitive for, as me because they can go out and say, I want a steak and it's okay if it has a little bit of seasoning or whatever, but I react to it, like everything. So I have to, if I ever go out to a restaurant, which isn't frequent, I'm that person, I'm like, I'll have a steak, nothing but a steak nothing on the steak, scrub the grill. I'm allergic to everything. And that's not obviously who I envisioned myself to be as a teenager. So that's the only difficult part.
0: I noticed that you know, in any time people are transitioning off of carbs, there's like the carb hangover at like seven to fourteen days in, where people yeah. just feel like death, and people are like, "I can't do this anymore." It's like that's actually, you know, and and if you're doing you know the full switch to carnivore, then you're switching so many different things, like your gut bacteria is changing, yeah, everything's changing, and part of what's interesting, you know, about where you were is like things got so bad that like maybe things, you know, the transitions tough or it's painful but it's still not as bad as
1: yeah it was like it wasn't hard for me um the cravings actually like when i first went down cut out all fruit and just went down to meat and salad so all i did was get rid of apples those cravings were intense and i have a lot of self-control diet wise and i messed up on day eight after cutting out apples I i thought oh it's probably fine and there were apples in the fridge and i caved in and then i had a reaction and cut them out actually cut them out after that. But getting rid of sugar is hard. And I didn't know until I did it how long the cravings last, but they don't last too long. Like, like you said, days seven to 14 are by far the worst. And then they start kind of getting better. And mine never lasted really past day 23. So if you know that you only have to last a month, it's okay. It's just, if you're having those cravings and it's like, how long is this going to last? I can't take it anymore. But so just like, pull through for about a month because it takes a while to get over those, the carbs.
0: Yeah. For people who are like going through, maybe they're not necessarily looking at diet specifically, but going through, you know, crap and trying to figure out how to get through uh, whatever crap is in their life. Do you have any other things that you would tell people on like either persevering or getting perspective, just dealing with, you know, kind of a lot of pain without necessarily having a good view on when it's going to end?
1: So the only thing I did before I looked into diet is I used to write. So if I if I got really angry or anything, I'd write it all out and that would help me kind of relax. I really wasn't good at managing it. I drank a lot. I didn't have a way to get out of it. Um I know some people can exercise and it makes them feel better, but I was too sick it didn't make it didn't help me. I guess what I would recommend now is if you can manage it, find an infrared sauna. That's the only thing other than diet I've found that improves my mood. Especially if I'm reacting to something.
0: Have you done like the sauna cold bath combo?
1: Oh yeah. I did cryotherapy in a sauna combo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my God.
0: It is literally I started doing meetups and, and doing instead of going to a bar, I was like, let's all let's all go to the sauna and uh did a yeah. cold tub sauna here in Portland and it was
1: it's euphoric afterwards.
0: Yeah, I was literally like I was literally laughing and I'm pretty stoic type of dude but I was just I got out I was like I'm I'm giddy now like this is okay. weird.
1: Yes, I would definitely recommend. I mean the cryotherapy too. So that's like super cold shower or I went into one of those tanks where they blow where they blow on you.
0: Liquid nitrogen, isn't it? Like they yeah. they take it down to like negative 200 or something like yeah. that.
1: It was great and it got rid of so I have like pain around this stupid ankle joint and it alleviated that pain. Man, I love it. But yeah, mood-wise I would say if you can get into an infrared sauna, it gives me if I'm reacting to something too, about a 20% mood boost. And Mm -hmm. I've asked a number of people who also do it. And it seems to, it's about 20%. And it hits me about 20 minutes after I get out if I'm there for half an hour. But that's really the only thing I've found. I mean, some people do meditation and that helped. But a whole bunch of that stuff didn't work for me. Exercise didn't work. Meditation didn't work. Writing helped a bit. And fixing myself worked really well. <laughs> Those yeah. were basically the only options.
0: I've been talking about cold showers for years here. And uh, I, the thing I love about it and cold therapy and saunas and in, in general is like, I found working out tends to help a lot from a mood perspective. But obviously, like if you're so sick, you can't even work out. The nice thing about cold showers is it kind of has the same effect where you yeah. get out of your head and thinking about like, Oh God, this sucks. This is terrible, whatever. And you just get into your body and it forces you to just be there. And then afterwards it gives you that endorphin boost that you'd get from doing a run or a workout, but you didn't necessarily have to, you know, go mess around on your replaced ankle or do any of that. And it's kind of a nice hack where you're like, okay, it's still going to be uncomfortable. It's still not necessarily going to be, you know, fun in the moment when I'm, you know, jumping into that 45 degree water. But when you get out, there's no better like ecstatic feeling where you're just like, I'm really relaxed and I'm really happy right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And thinking back on it, I think that is actually something that made me feel better before I was looking into diet and everything. And that's when I was really sick. And yeah, now when I have any reactions, because I do accidentally ingest little bits of things that I'm not supposed to, um, exercise helps for sure. And infrared zoning and cold showers. Yeah. But those sound like good ideas.
0: Cool. Awesome. So if people want to find out more about what you're doing, your journey, your book coming out, where are the best places for people to follow along?
1: MichaelaPeterson.com. My blog is called Don't Eat That. And... (laughs) (laughs) I like that name. Uh, Yeah, me too. My credit goes to my brother for that. I think I was repeating. Don't eat that a lot. The first year there, I'm on Instagram, Michaela Peterson on Instagram, and I'm Facebook slash the Carnivore Diet.
0: Okay, I'll put links to those in the show notes when we're done here. So that was awesome. Do you have anything else that you want readers to know about, or give uh, people one last thought before uh, we wind up?
1: Sometimes you have really small symptoms that you've ignored because you've had them for ten years. And that's still something that you should be able to fix. Like Mm. if you're napping or if you wake up and you're grumpy or if when you brush your teeth, your gums bleed, or if you have like a patch of psoriasis and you're just like, oh, that's just something I have or that runs in my family. Those are still things you should think about and give changing your diet a try or look into it anyway.
0: I've said for a long time that most people don't know how good they can feel Yeah. until they feel. They just feel like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. And uh, yeah. until you really, you know, find out, you know, experiment with yourself and, and find out what works really well for you, you realize that you can be clear minded and have energy all day and not have to take a nap and, you know, fall asleep without having to worry about it. Like once you have that a couple of times, it gives you perspective on, you know, how good things can be and, you know, what level you can get back to.
1: Mm-hmm. You just have to get there to know.
0: Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. Let me. Uh, we'll have to check back in with you in maybe another six months or so and see how you're doing. I'll put those links in the show notes. And uh, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed Michaela's story and her journey. It's really interesting to see how food is affecting people's lives and how just experimenting in your own life can really be beneficial in different ways. So I'm really curious on the next six to 12 months of her journey and going to be following up here to see what happens and how it plays out. But so far, it's looking pretty interesting. If you guys enjoyed that podcast, I'd love if you went over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and left a five-star review. It helps us reach more people, help more people find out about the podcast, and then helps us continue encouraging people to push their limits and do something impossible. Also, check out coldshowertherapy.com. If you want to get out of your head and into your body, the best way to do it is a 30-day cold shower therapy challenge. There's a free course at coldshowertherapy.com. You can download the app and track your showers. So you can actually start practicing getting comfortable being uncomfortable instead of just talking about it all the time. You can also pick up an Impossible shirt at impossiblegear.com. Pick one up, wear it. It's your daily reminder to push your limits and do something impossible. And last reminder, check out Uh, movewellapp.com. Movewell is 10-minute mobility routines designed to help you get stronger, faster, and move well. So check it out. Start healing your body, taking care of yourself, and feeling better. All right, guys, that's it for the podcast. I will see you right back here, same time next week. And until then, keep pushing your limits and do something impossible.